welcome to my podcast. So, I just recorded a, an entire episode. It's the second time I've tried to record that entire episode, and I lost it. I lost it uh, technologically. The, uh, the recording crashed, and I did not realize it. But I'm going to try to do this again, because it's been a while since I've released an episode, and I've been wanting to talk about this. Uh, another consumption episode about the state of my technology. It's kind of a follow-up to a few things. One is that the Pixel 6, uh, at six months, is a popular topic in the tech space right now. All of the tech tubers are recording their Pixel 6 at six months episodes, and uh, I was early in on the Pixel 6. I got mine like the day before launch day, actually, and so I thought I would do a follow-up to that experience and also talk about some other technology. Uh, actually, there's a different main topic than the Pixel 6 that I'd like to talk about, but let's talk about the Pixel 6 first. So it's been six months, actually six months plus at this point that I've had the Pixel 6, and my review of it after, say, six days was glowing. I really dug the experience because it was novel. At six months, it's not so novel anymore. You're not doing the same things. It's just part of your workflow. But I will say that in the immediate sense, the Pixel 6 had some issues. Google releases their, their hardware in beta for some reason and then uses its users as beta testing while it fixes those issues in real time. And it's had issues almost the entire time. So the big issue that bothered people was the quality of the fingerprint sensor. That has been improved steadily over the course of time. It's still not great. I don't care about that almost at all. It works well enough. Uh, I don't care about the speed at all. I do care about the accuracy. It's gotten more accurate over time, and if I used my phone without a uh, tempered glass screen protector, it would probably be much better because I've done that, but I don't like to use my phone without a tempered glass screen protector, so I will just accept that it is not as accurate in a variety of situations. The big situation is transitioning into bright sunlight. Uh, it affects the, the accuracy of the read. It is what it is. I don't mind putting my uh, swipe code in. It doesn't bother me that much, and the accuracy is good enough in most situations. So that's fine. The real issue for me, and almost nothing else besides this, actually, I think it's it's a fantastic experience just generally. Uh, the Tensor processor has been great for most things, and it does nifty things uh, unto itself that other processors don't do. But the thing for me is the quality of the mobile data antenna is, it's not Qualcomm level. So the specific situation is, if you go into a dead zone, and this is for any phone, this dead zone could affect any phone, then, like any other device, the phone will drop its connection. The issue is that when you come out of that dead zone, it may take the Pixel 6 minutes. That might be an exaggeration, it might be a minute, but that could make all the difference. It might take the Pixel 6 minutes to reconnect to the network, where another device will reconnect immediately, or maybe after seconds, we'll reconnect to the network. And that's something I've noticed consistently. And that could be a life-or-death thing. And while T-Mobile's network is pretty solid in my area, uh, one thing is that it does not support 5G that well, which does not affect this issue. And in fact, I kind of like that it doesn't support 5G, because 5G 
is a crazy battery drain where LTE data is or an LTE connection is not. So I've been, I've just had my phone manually set to use LTE for most of the time I've had it, which contributes to great battery life. So I'm all about that. LTE is fast. I, I've seen it go as fast as uh, like 160 down on LTE, which is more than fast enough to do anything I would want to do on my phone. Where 5G is like 1.5 or maybe 5 down in the area in which I live. Now, I've been to areas where I've seen it be as fast as uh, 400 down. But while that would be nice to have, it's not something that I feel like I miss. But uh, because of that that, uh, connection stability issue, uh, I can see that potentially causing issues. Uh, That also contributes to an issue where uh, Wi-Fi calling is not the best. It is not the most stable. And if you're going into dead zones, that's something that you want to be rock solid to. So that connectivity issue paired with the Wi-Fi calling issue, those are fairly serious to me, but not serious enough to destroy uh, or really affect my enjoyment of the experience overall. There are other issues that people have seen that I have never seen. Uh, And there are issues that I have had in the past, fairly big ones, that are just gone. Uh, It is mostly a really enjoyable experience. Um, I would still recommend the Pixel 6 to almost anybody. There's a period of time in there where I kind of felt bad for recommending the Pixel 6 because it was having so many issues, and you never know what brand of issues somebody's going to see under those circumstances. Even though I didn't see the issues, somebody else might. But uh, at this point, I would be comfortable recommending the Pixel 6 to almost anyone. That's a nice device. I've also kind of pepped it up by putting a skin on it, which is uh, part of the life cycle of any device I have. So when I get a new device, I almost immediately put a tempered glass screen protector in case on that device, because it's an investment. I want to protect my investment. But it's also nice to use the phone naked in your pocket. And so part of that life cycle is me putting a skin on the device. Now, I don't use dbrand because dbrand is for uh, the caviar set, (laughs) for the champagne dream set. I use the Calrus. The Calrus makes vinyl skins. Uh, The Calrus' skins are more like stickers. They're vinyl stickers because they don't wrap around the entirety of the body of the device. They usually like just go on the back plate, and then if you have a, a forehead and chin, they'll have stickers that you put on the forehead and chin of the device. And that's plenty for me. They're usually cut pretty well. They look really nice. Uh, Decalris. It's like, I don't know, a th- one-third, one-fourth the price of what you would get from D-Brand. And uh, works just as well for my purposes. Slapped a skin on there. And it feels like brand new as far as uh, an aesthetic device in my pocket. So yeah, I'm still enjoying that experience. That's not the big one, though. The big one is that I just purchased new computer. To say it's my primary machine would be untrue because the phone is my primary machine. My Pixel 6 is my primary machine. It's the thing I use daily. It's always with me. But a part of my workflow is to have, a part of anybody's workflow is to have a computer usually. And mine had been a Windows machine, a very stable, solid, performant Windows machine for what it is. It's a super old, I'm not even going to say how old, but it's a super old business machine uh, laptop. Uh, Even though it is very old, it it performs very well. I actually did some web benchmarking on it the other day, and it performed terribly in the web benchmark. But in daily usage, it's great. 
but at the outer edges, there are some things that it does not do as well. And it was just time. I'd been saying for years I wanted to replace this with uh, a new machine, and it finally just bit the bullet. And you would think as an IT guy, because I'm an IT guy, uh, as someone who works in a Windows shop and who supports Windows, I think the only other operating systems that I tangentially work with are uh, Cisco iOS and, to a lesser extent, uh, Apple iOS. Yeah, Windows shop coming from a Windows machine. You'd think I would go with Windows. I did not got myself a Chromebook. And so the reason for that, there's a few reasons. I wanted to try to use, uh, try to integrate Chrome OS anyway, because I was curious. And also uh, I'm all in on Google and I wanted something that would better integrate with my uh, Google Pixel 6 smartphone with Android. So I got the Acer Spin 713. Now, why did I get that over a Windows machine? beyond the integration level, it's because it's a better value. Like, by a lot, it's a better value. Uh, You can get yourself a premium Chromebook, which is functionally what this is. It's a premium, high-end Chromebook for, like, three, four hundred $400 less than a comparable Windows machine. So you can get a Windows machine that has a fast processor for under $1,000, but you can't get a Windows machine that has a fast processor and a backlit nice keyboard and a premium build and a beautiful screen. And it's one of the big pluses here, a beautiful screen for under $1,000. It just seemed like a better value to me. And in experience using Chrome OS, so as glowing as I was with the Pixel 6 after it came out, the excitement I had for that, probably not the same excitement for Chrome OS, but man, the experience is just, uh, it's just a solid, like a more solid, probably over the course of time, a more stable experience is what it's going to be. Something else I found interesting is that, so Chrome OS is a desktop OS, so the thing that it has over, say, getting a comparable iPad, because I considered that too, uh, I am not married to any one operating system, I just wanted, I have an iOS device, I have two of them. And I wanted to incorporate a new operating system into my ecosystem, Chrome OS. But uh, over a comparable iPad is that Chrome OS is a desktop OS, and so it supports multiple external extended displays. Like, not just mirroring, but actual extended external displays. That was a biggie. Uh, The fact that it can support desktop applications is also a biggie, probably not quite as big. So modern Chrome OS uh, natively supports Linux applications. There's a little Linux command line that's just part of the base operating system setup from which you can install Linux applications from the Linux repositories. It supports Android apps, so you can install Android applications. I have a bunch of high-end Android games and my my regular media editing applications installed, and they all work like gangbusters because of the super powerful processor except for PowerDirector, but we can get back into that later. And as far as a super powerful processor, what I got as far as the Spin 713 was the 2021 SKU, which has a lot of storage for a Chromebook and also has the 11th Gen i5 processor. And that's important because the 11th Gen i5 has Iris graphics, so internal graphics, but Intel did a major boost in how powerful the internal onboard graphics were and their uh, chipsets with the 11th gen, with the Iris graphics. And because it supports Iris graphics, this Chromebook can support Steam. 
Yeah, Google's working on Steam support this year. And not just for Steam Linux applications or Linux games, which is, uh, I think there are a thousand Linux games in Steam's application store versus 50,000 games overall, but also through the Proton interface layer or translation layer, it can actually play Windows games, which are most of the games in the Steam application store. And so I haven't set this up yet because it's in alpha and you have to do things to your Chromebook that would make it less stable. Not worth it for me because there are so many games available in the Google Android App Store that I can play on the Chromebook because the Chromebook supports Android apps that uh, between emulators and just some really solid native games, I haven't had the real need to uh, set up Steam, but I do like that's an option. So I'm just having a really good time generally. Now, everything in the Android store does not work one for one because I got an x86 SKU, an Intel SKU of a Chromebook, while something like the aforementioned PowerDirector, which is a core app for me, would work really well with a an ARM version of the Chromebook. So something that has a phone-style processor, something from MediaTek or Qualcomm, uh, the x86 instruction set is what I'm dealing with here. The translation doesn't work as well for something as uh, tightly integrated to core performance as PowerDirector, which is my main video editing application. So I had to go into Linux, and I also downloaded a bunch of core Linux applications off the bat, things like Audacity, things like VLC, LibreOffice, GIMP, I will probably never use GIMP. I hate the interface, but it's it's nice to have that option. And Shotcut. And Shotcut is a video editing application. It's an open source video ap- editing application, but it, it supports 4K, where the PowerDirector application on the Chromebook does not. So I'm excited to do some video editing in Shotcut and do some testing. You have to like jump through a few hoops to navigate the file system to get to where you want to be. And that's also a big thing to me. File system access, like direct hierarchical file system access, uh, is another reason that I would choose a Chromebook over uh, something like an iPad. But once you do that, uh, you're Bob's your uncle, you're gravy. And then there's some other workarounds that I have to do with PWAs, which are progressive web apps, which is what Chrome really wants to do. Chrome OS really wants you to use these progressive web apps as your core applications. And when you do that, then you're getting that fantastic Chromebook battery life and uh, probably the optimal experience. But they're, they're not versatile enough for everything that you would want to do, just most things. For instance, there is a web application called Photopea. It's a hosted photo editor. Uh, basically, it emulates an older version of the Photoshop interface. It's very popular, and it's something that I'm excited to try but my core photo editing workflow is a bunch of mobile applications, which I also have installed on this Chromebook, and I'd probably go to first. But I do want to learn Photopea, so I, I will probably take advantage of that for not just video chatting or video calls but for or conferencing, but for just recording video off of the webcam, the external webcam. I have to use a hosted application for that. The onboard internal applications can't see the plugged-in external webcam, only the external applications can see that so far. Uh, And I'm sure that I can find an app that would see the webcam, but I need something that will use both the external mic and the external webcam together, and so I have to use a PWA for that. That's a headache, but it, it, 
but the functionality exists nonetheless, so I'm not too terribly put out by that. And I still have a very functional Windows machine for the times that I absolutely need Windows, so I'm excited to see what this Chromebook Spin 713 can do. Also, the big thing, this is probably bigger than a lot of the other things, you know, in addition to the really nice build quality, it's a really nicely built machine, and the 3-2 aspect ratio on the screen, uh, the fact that it's a 2-in-1, you can flip it around and use it tablet style. The screen is beautiful. It's a 2K screen. It supports a, a huge percentage of the RGB color gamut, so you can use it for photo editing pretty nicely. Just a lovely, lovely screen. And I've heard people poo-poo on the speakers. The speakers are fine. Uh, if you use it in tent mode, which is kind of like tablet mode, and the speakers are pointed towards you, then they sound really good. Uh, not quite as much bass as you would expect from a high-end speaker experience, but they're good. A webcam is not good. That's to be expected on almost any machine because laptop lids are thin and the bezels are small. They have tiny webcams in there. The internal webcam is not great. And if I were a white person or if I had a fair complexion, then it might be okay. But I probably would not use the internal webcam for anything in, except for maybe like a very casual web call for a very casual video call. Besides that, yeah, everything has been gravy so far. I've really enjoyed the experience. Battery life is solid. It's more solid when you're using it as intended as just a Chrome OS device as opposed to a uh, a host for Android applications or Chrome applications or gaming. Uh, even those those high-end Android... There's an Android game I play called Pascal's Wager, which is kind of like a Dark Souls alike. And the graphic quality... It's like a 2012 360 game but running at full HD, and it really sucks down that battery. <laughs> it's resource-intensive, and I feel like that, as far as a uh, as an off-charger experience, is not really how this is meant to be used. But if you're using it just as a Chromebook, even some light Linux applications or some light Android applications, you're going to have a good time. Like 10 hours for Chrome OS usage, and probably... Seven hours if you're using, like, I don't know, LibreOffice or whatever non-resource-intensive Android application that you'd want to use in the background in addition to that. If you're watching media, you're probably going to get a five to seven hour experience, which is good. Good enough for me. I'm pleased with that. So the Spin 713, solid experience all the way through, except for one thing, which is similar to what affected the Pixel. It's the antenna. So for the Pixel, it's a mobile antenna. For the Spin 713, it's the wireless antenna. It's just not strong. Like, it doesn't maintain a connection strongly. Uh, I would say that uh, probably 50% of the signal re retention of any other device that I have, even that old Windows-class business machine, if you're st in, like, one position, if you're just in a spot, and you just pick your spot, then it's fine. It'll maintain its signal. But if you're moving around... It'll drop its signal as you move away from the access point more quickly than any of the other devices I use. Uh, that has been kind of irksome because it's not that the signal is unstable. It's just that it's not it's not strongly receptive. I don't know if it has something to do with the all-metal build or what, but uh, I feel like they could have done that better. It still works. That one thing should be better. In fact, that's a big that's a big ding by itself. Beyond that. I would say that it's almost perfect. Man, the screen gets bright. 
like a regular laptop screen, you're looking at like maybe 250 nits. For the Spin 713, it's, I think, 430 or something like that. So it gets bright. Man, it's impressive. Uh, as far as other technology that's still in my sphere, we have still that Windows machine. I'll probably maintain that for any backup situations that I would need. I recently replaced my Soundcore Life P2. Soundcore is an anchor brand. And their Life series of headphones are just really solid Qualcomm-based wireless headphones. Qualcomm owns this wireless uh, headphone technology that's used with mobile devices. And most of them are just standard. Some manufacturers uh, add a little juice to what's standard. But in this case, for the Life series, they're just solid. They maintain a connection really well where other Bluetooth headphones might drop. The sound is... It's not extraordinary, but it's just good, like regular good for what I listen to, which is mostly podcasts. And with the case, the battery life, even after two and a half years, is probably five to seven hours. And then with the case, it's 40 hours. But I wanted to upgrade because the mics aren't very good. So I got the Life P3s. Except they're not really the Life P3s. They're the Life Note 3 XRs. The Life Note 3 XR is... Life P3, but as marketed to Target and other stores. It's the store brand of the Life P3. The main difference is that it lacks wireless charging, and because the case doesn't do wireless charging, it's smaller, more pocketable. I think that's a big plus. So, yeah, I've been using what I'm going to call the Life P3s for a little bit now, and they're good. They're better than the solid Life P2s were. They're smaller Uh, They have more bass, and they support active noise cancellation, and they have a bunch of active noise cancellation modes, plus a low-latency gaming mode. I haven't used that because it kills your battery, and uh, I don't really feel like the latency is significant as it is. Really solid performers. Uh, The mic is not as good as it could be, so that's a shortcoming. But they're still better than the mic on the P2s, And uh, just a good, solid experience all around. I'm not regretting that purchase at all. Uh, As far as my regular daily technology, I have a Samsung Tab S6 Lite tablet that I carry with me. Because the Spin 713 does tablet mode, the Samsung has been kind of bumped out of that spot as a daily device. But it's something that's convenient to have with me all the time. And performance has been stable and just good like more stable than my Pixel 6 all the way through for the entire time I've had the Samsung Tab S Lite. It's a really good device. Like, just dependable. It's got a nice screen, and it's just, uh, it has loud speakers, like loud, high-quality speakers. It sounds good, it looks good, has good battery life, not as good as it did when I got it. But yeah, just generally, just an all-rounder. I really appreciate what uh, Samsung brought as far as value. Also, the Spin 713 supports a USI stylus. It's shipped with a USI stylus, so you can do stylus stuff. You can do drawing and uh, writing and things. And the experience of using that USI stylus on the Spin 713 is nowhere near as good as using the S Pen on the Tab S6 Lite. Like, that is a really, really solid experience. And for the money, it probably is a $200 feature, comparatively, 
Like, if I did more art stuff, I've done some art stuff with it that I was impressed with, but if I did more art stuff, man, that'd probably be the best value in the art space that I could imagine. Just a great, great device. Old dependable. Like, I don't buy any bad technology because I always look at reviews beforehand, but, yeah, I really lucked out with that one. Something else that's in the technology stable, like the daily technology stable, is the iPad 2. That's right, 2011, 2012, whenever it came out. 2011, maybe. Yeah, the iPad 2. Uh, I just happened to have one in my inventory of stuff, just in my stuff, and when I was moving last, I found this iPad 2. When it came to me, it was not functional, and I couldn't get it to be functional, but uh, after I found it, I was like, I bet I could get this thing started somehow. And I found this trick for, and I don't know if this is still relevant for modern devices, but for old iOS devices, if the battery goes down to zero, it won't start. But if you heat the battery, so in this case, I took a, an old buckwheat heating heating pad, which is just, it's a, it was basically a sock, a giant sock filled with buckwheat. Heat it in the microwave, put it on the back of the iPad, charge the iPad while it's warming, somehow jump starts the battery it started charging man what an impressive device 10 years old maybe 11 years old and just it just works apple is impressive so i only use it for two things it sits in the kitchen it's for youtube and netflix youtube app doesn't work anymore uh netflix does and it works really well youtube works on the browser And so I was using YouTube through Safari, not the most stable, but it worked pretty well for a while. But like last week or the week before, YouTube stopped working in Safari. So you'd think that would be, oh no, but it's not because Safari is bundled with the operating system. The operating system on the iPad 2 is like iOS 9.3 or iOS 9.5, something like that. Uh, It hasn't been updated in years, like like five, six years. But the apps have been updated that are not Safari because iOS updates its core apps with the operating system. Once the operating system stops updating, the core apps stop updating. But other applications continue to update. So even though it wasn't the most recent version of Chrome I had installed on this iPad, it was a way more recent, probably years newer version of Chrome. YouTube works in that, and it runs more stably than it ever did in Safari. So as far as a kitchen Netflix YouTube machine, this iPad is killing it. And its standby battery life is forever. Its core battery life is forever. It's actually a really impressive device, uh, even though the display is HD, like regular HD, like it's kind of sub 720p because of the aspect ratio. It looks really good. You know, Apple is the uh, the founder or the creator of IPS in-plane switching display technology. Uh, This iPad has an IPS display. It looks really good. It doesn't get super bright, but for inside, for using inside the kitchen, even though it's sub-HD, I'd like to say it looks great. The speakers aren't super loud. Like, they're not as loud as any modern device. They're not as loud as any of our phones or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I'm impressed by this old piece of technology. I'm glad that uh, that we have it. The last piece of daily carry technology I'd like to throw in here is just uh, Old Dependable, which is my Samson Meteor mic. It's just a USB microphone. Sounds great most of the time. As far as using a USB microphone, I started with the uh, Samson, I think it's the Meteorite, 
whatever the smaller pocketable version of the microphone is, and I moved up to the Samson Meteor, and uh, it doesn't have infinite options. It has a mute button. That's its big option. But it can be plugged into anything. It can be plugged into my phone, which is something I really like. And I've thought about upgrading to the next level of Samson quality, but that big-ass microphone, I forget what it's called, but it's huge, and I feel like it would need an external power supply to use it in as many situations as I can use the Samson Meteor in. So uh, this is all dependable as far as a piece of technology. Like I said, I, I look at a lot of reviews and stuff before I spend money because I'm not made out of money. So I want the best technology I can get for the money that I put out. And that is the current state of my technology. As far as a next episode goes, I'd like to do something about everything, everywhere, all at once. You know, moving from technology to media, because on the other podcast that I do, with the Geeks Under the Influence podcast network called Smack My Pitch Up, a fan casting show. Uh, we have interstitial tangent episodes, and on the last interstitial uh, tangent episode, we talked about everything everywhere all at once. And, yeah, it really got me thinking, because that movie is so effective at presenting something new in a mature medium... And emotionally, it, it is, it's incredibly effective. So I think I'd like to just, just sit down and parse that, just think about it and talk about it. We'll see. We'll see what the next one will be. It can be anything, because the nature of this show is anything. I think the thing I like the best for my handle is Jonathan Blade is the interviews, but just sitting and talking is nice sometimes as well. So if you'd like to sit and talk to me, you can hit me up on Twitter at JankyOldBrokeHoboSpiderMan at JonathanBlade. And I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.